Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so on adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you'd like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so by giving online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Today's message is from our series called Forgotten God, in which we are overcoming the fears and frustrations that often distract us from discovering the purpose and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. As we are moving along here and diving into this series today, uh, one of the, probably for me as a communicator, one of the greatest comments and compliments that I get is when people say, man, I always like your messages because they're practical. They make sense to me. And like I can take what you teach and it's not like way over my head where it's like this theological, you know, masterpiece of a, of a message, but it's practical. It's daily stuff that I can take and use in my life and it's going to make a difference in what God wants to do in me and his plan and purpose for me in our life. And so today, uh, I'm hoping to do that on a very kind of deep topic of the Holy Spirit. And over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of be diving into this. And my goal today is to just build a foundation, to lay a foundation that we're going to go deeper into in the weeks to come. And so my, my heart is, is that you would just be open to say, regardless of your past experiences, regardless of what you've been taught, regardless of what church you went to growing up and your understanding of the Holy Spirit, that as we dive into the text, the scripture, and I'm going to separate my experience and how I was raised and taught, and as you do the same thing, that we're just going to go into the text and see what the text says and what God's word says about the Holy Spirit, and then that we would just open our hearts up to receive whatever God would have for us. Because the Holy Spirit is this, as we kind of try to display and communicate through that video, is a very mysterious thing. And as, as I'm going to try to help you understand it, know this, you'll never fully understand God, right? He's too big. He's too hard for us to grasp, to wrap our minds around. But my goal is, is that we'll at least have a better understanding about who the Holy Spirit is and what his purpose is in our life. But Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this, God just makes it clear to us. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What he's saying is, you're never going to figure me out. And if you try to just figure me out and try to put God in this box where we can fully understand him, we're going to miss the whole purpose. And people try to do that, and they get into these theological debates, and churches separate over it, and now there's this denomination and this denomination because we think God works like this, and we think he works like this. And today what I'm saying is, let's not try to put God in a box. Let's just say, God, I'm open to whatever you want to do in my life. I'm open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do, this forgotten God. And why are we saying it's the forgotten God? Because when it comes to the Trinity, how many of you have heard of the Trinity before? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or maybe you hear the Holy Ghost, uh, whatever you've heard, but it's the Trinity. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're three in one. And so we'll never fully understand how God works because of the limitation of our finite minds and our environment and our experiences. But God lives without the limitations of a three-dimensional world. 
If you've ever seen the movie Interstellar, has anyone ever seen that movie with Matthew McConaughey, right? Like, it's like super deep, right? Like, they go into like the fifth dimensions of the world, and it's like real crazy, and I was like, all right, I'm tuning out. This doesn't make any sense to me, right? But that's kind of like with God, where we try to put God into this three dimension, like of what we understand about God, and God lives outside of that without those limitations, that he is spirit, that he's omnipresent, that he can be everywhere at the same time. He's so complex compared to who we are. And so that's why when it comes to the Trinity, Jesus the Son can be different from the Father and yet the same. And the Bible clearly speaks of God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, but emphasizes that they are one together. If we were to use a math formula, hopefully this will help some of you, it would not be one plus one plus one equals three. It would be one times one times one equals one. They are three, but one together. Triune God. That's where you get the term tri, meaning three. Unity, meaning they are one. That's where we get the word trinity. So they are three in one. And so it's hard for us to understand how that works and to fully kind of wrap our mind around how that works. And it's not maybe for us to understand, but I think we can understand the purposes of each one of them, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because we get God, right? Like God spoke the world into existence. He created all things. And we get, we get the Son because Jesus came. There's documented writings of his life. But then there's this Holy Spirit. And sometimes because we don't really understand it, we can just kind of forget about the Holy Spirit. We can push the Holy Spirit kind of into the corner because we don't understand him all the way. And, and because of our experience, maybe we're a little afraid of, of the mysterious side of the Spirit. And today, my goal is is to give you enough background and context of the Holy Spirit that you would say, I'm open to it, and that you would understand why you need to be open to the Holy Spirit in your life because of what He does for us. So to give you a little background, we first are going to look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, then the New Testament, and then see what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. So from the time Jesus came back from the dead, from the resurrection to the ascension, to his ascension, was about 40 days. And Jesus appears to multiple people, multiple groups, and to his disciples and apostles, and he begins to tell them certain things. And these are kind of, in Acts 1, 1 through 5, we kind of see his parting final words to his disciples. And he says this, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, this was the the writer of Acts, I believe it was Luke, but whatever, when I get into that stuff, he said, in my first book, I told Theophilus about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And once he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. He had already told them about this. John baptized with water, John the Baptist, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling his disciples that you've seen me do all of this stuff. I've been present with you in the flesh, God in the flesh with you. And he's saying, you've seen me do all this stuff and I'm about to leave, I'm gonna go and you're gonna go and do what I've commanded you to do, to go establish my church and to build the church. But listen, you don't go anywhere until you get the Holy Spirit. 
That's the importance of the Holy Spirit, even for the guys who did life with Jesus, even for the apostles. He's saying, you don't do anything without the Holy Spirit. Why? Because if you go out on your own before you have the Holy Spirit, you're going to be operating in your own power and strength, and you are no match for the enemy of this world in and of yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why today, why we're taking these few weeks, because we believe that the Holy Spirit is the most important person, and I chose that word specifically, the most important person in your spiritual walk on this earth and in your relationship with him is crucial to your success in your walk with God and his will for your life. He is a person, we talk about this a lot at Adventure Church, that God wants you to be in relationship with him. How do you get to know someone if you don't spend time with them? How do you get to know someone if you don't communicate with them? And that's how we communicate with God, is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit spirit in our life. That's what gives us the access to the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 7, Jesus said it this way. He said, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, if I was posed this question like, hey, Kyle, you can go and do life if somehow we could travel back in time or we could fast forward where I could invite Jesus to say, hey, you can have Jesus in the flesh with you for a week of your life. I would be like, yeah, let's do that. Like, right? Like raising dead people, like seeing Jesus work. Like I would want him to be present. So Jesus is telling his disciples who were with him in the present, right? They saw him heal people. They saw him raise people from the dead. He's telling them, he's saying, listen, I got to go because I'm going to send someone better. That they had Jesus in the flesh And he's saying it's going to be better that the Holy Spirit comes because he will then supply the power that you need to be all that I've called you to be. And he called them to do great things. And the the disciples go on to establish the church to do the same things. And Jesus tells them, it's better that I go because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Now it's just not me here with you. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere to everyone all the time. And he can do even greater things through us than Jesus did. He said the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will now be living in you and you will be able to do even greater things than me if I was with you in the presence. He says that is how important the Holy Spirit is. But many of us have forgotten the Holy Spirit and we don't access the power that he provides to us because of some reasons that either because of our preconceived ideas of who the Holy Spirit is, maybe some experiences that we had growing up in church, maybe because of the way you've been taught in in your upbringing. But today I'm asking you that regardless of how you've been brought up, regardless of your education, that you would just say, God, I'm open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in me and who he is and what he provides for my life. And we're gonna look at what the scripture says about it. Not our experiences, but what the scripture instructs us to do and to relate to the Holy Spirit. So God wants us to live spirit-led, spirit-filled lives where the Holy Spirit is moving in and through us, but many of us are living spirit-less lives. And why is that? I think there's two reasons. One is this, some just aren't aware of the Holy Spirit, just not aware of it. And uh, Acts, again, the church is being established, moving in a powerful way. Paul's going out, they're they're planting churches, they're doing all this amazing stuff for the kingdom of God. The disciples are in full force establishing the church. And it says, when Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, 
did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So these men had heard about Jesus. It said that they had believed in Jesus, but yet that they had not understood, they weren't aware of the Holy Spirit and what he provides in their life. So based on your background and experience, maybe you're the same way. Well, I believe in God, but what is this whole thing about the Holy Spirit? What, who is he? What is his purpose? I don't really understand him. And so based on our experiences, we can push him kind of aside. We don't, we don't understand. Or maybe you have had some experiences and it weirded you out, right? You, like you were flipping through the TV one late night and you happened to stumble upon some crazy TBN preacher, right? And, and you saw some stuff that you were like, what is that? And they were saying it's the Holy Spirit. And so because of that, you're like, well, if that's the Holy Spirit, I don't want any of that, right? And let's just be honest. So, so we, so we kind of push him aside. And let me say this. The Holy Spirit is not weird, okay? The Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about the Spirit does things in an orderly way that is, that is, that is conducive to, to what he wants to do, that is powerful, that is transformational, that he can be all those things. But some of us just aren't aware. In Samuel, in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 3, Samuel is... Uh, this new prophet that's being raised up by Eli, who is the prophet. And those were, again, elected, selected people by God to speak through them. And so Eli is the current like prophet priest at the time leading Israel. And Samuel is this new, this new young guy who's being trained under Eli. And you can kind of read through that today. And for the sake of time, I'm going to kind of just paraphrase this and summarize. So, so Samuel and Eli are sleeping and Samuel's just a boy. Eli's his mentor and Samuel hears someone calling his name, Samuel, and it's God. And he's saying Samuel and Samuel runs into Eli's room and says, Eli, what do you want? How many of your kids ever do that, right? You're like, I wasn't speaking to you. Why are you in my room this late? Go back to bed. So Eli tells him to go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. He hears his voice being called again. He runs back into Eli's room and this happens three times. And finally, Eli, you know, probably wakes up enough to go, oh, it's probably the Lord talking to you. And so next time you hear him call your name, just say, here I am, Lord, your servant is listening. And that's what happens. And so Samuel begins to understand what the voice of God is. He wasn't aware that it was the Lord. He wasn't aware it was the Holy Spirit. And it's the same thing that happens in our lives, that that we believe but we're just unaware of who the Spirit is and what His voice is and when He's speaking to us. John ten sixteen, Jesus said, My sheep will know my voice. Those who believe in me, those who are in my flock, those who are in relationship with me, they will be able to distinguish my voice from everyone else's. And so that's so important that, that we understand that Jesus desires to have this relationship with us through the Holy Spirit. And that we can get to know him and know his voice. And the better you know him, the better you'll understand him. And the better you understand him, the more he will be leading and directing your life according to his will. So some of us just aren't aware and then some of us resist the Holy Spirit. Why we're not seeing the Spirit move and and be active in our life is we resist it. And in Acts 7, again, the church is being established. And they said to this group of people, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Because this is the reason why. We tend to resist things we don't understand, right? If we don't understand it, if we can't, like, I don't want to mess with that, right? Because then I got to take the time to try to understand it. It's kind of like me watching like tennis. 
right? The U.S. Open tennis was on and there was like nothing else on TV one afternoon. So I'm watching tennis and I just, I don't understand. I understand the idea of tennis, but I don't understand how they keep score because I've never taken the time to figure it out. And so I'm like, well, wait a second. They were winning and now I think they're tied, but they say it's love. What does love mean? They love each other because they're tied. They now love each other. It's zero, zero. You know, well, why is this set being, how many sets do you have to win to win a match? I thought they already won enough sets. I don't understand it. Kind of like hockey too. I know they're trying to get the puck in a goal, but other than that, when they say someone's offsides or this, I don't get it. Football, I get football, man. I get football. So I watch it all day, right? I understand it. I'm in football. So we resist things that we don't understand. And so what we're trying to do in this series is to help you understand who the Holy Spirit is, what his purpose is in your life, the power he provides to you. And so you'll no longer resist it. You'll go, I understand this. This isn't weird. This isn't crazy. This is what God wants for me. So today I'm going to give you a quick overview of how the Holy Spirit, again, operated in the Old Testament, the New Testament, what Jesus says about it. And then over the upcoming weeks, we're laying the foundation. Then we're going to dive a little bit deeper into these topics in the week to come. So if we look at the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, uh, the Spirit operated in a certain way. And what we have to remember is, is in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus had not yet come, right? The, the price of our sin had been paid. And when Jesus came and he died and paid the price, the Bible says the veil was torn. And so there was this, this thing blocking us from having this relationship with God. And Jesus was able to tear that through his death and what he did. Now all of us can have this access to Jesus. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't that way. Certain people were selected to, to know God, to speak on his behalf, and to kind of have the Spirit moving in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, first of all, what we need to understand is in Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 1. We can't get any further back in the Bible, right? Y'all with me on that one? Genesis 1, 1. The very beginning, the Holy Spirit was there. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surfaces of the water. And it said that God then told the Spirit what to do, and the Spirit began to act on God's behalf, creating the world. And so the Holy Spirit has always been around since the very beginning. Then throughout the Old Testament, we see times where he shows up. In Numbers 11 and 27, the Holy Spirit moves on Moses and then the 70 elders, that he shows up, he begins to do something. In 1 Samuel, we were just talking about him, the Holy Spirit comes on Saul and begins to move on him. And then in Psalm 51, David mentions the Holy Spirit, and we see these examples throughout the Old Testament where the Holy Spirit is moving. But in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, this is how the Spirit worked. First of all, the Spirit was selective. God chose to move on certain people. It wasn't for everyone. It was for certain people. Then it was temporary. He would move from person to person for a certain period of time. And so if you read about, uh, if you read in Samuel about the life of King David and King Saul, where it says that God anointed Saul with his spirit, and then he took his spirit away from Saul. And because of disobedience, because of what he'd done, he, he removed his spirit from him and he anointed David. And so we see this happening. And then it was also task driven. So it was selective, it was temporary, and the spirit moved to do something for a certain task, a certain period of time. But in the New Testament, after Jesus made a new way for us to relate and to come with God, the Holy Spirit moves differently. Now the Holy Spirit is for everyone. In Acts 2, it says, for all who believe, that the Holy Spirit is available to everyone who believes in Jesus. It's not temporary, but he wants to establish residency in your life. It's, it's, it's to permanently 
dwell inside of you for the purpose of daily living. That we need His Spirit, and Galatians tells us the fruit of the Spirit and what it provides for our lives, and that we need to access that every day. So the Old Testament, it was selective, it was temporary, and it was task-driven. In the New Testament, it was for everyone. The Holy Spirit, once He comes, is there. He takes residence in our life, and it's so that we can have the power to live out the purpose and the perfect will of God for us. So that's the Old Testament, the New Testament. Now let's see what Jesus says about the purpose of his Holy Spirit. The first thing that Jesus says is that the Holy Spirit's purpose is to convict us. To convict us. In John 16, 8, it says, When the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So he helps us understand what is right from wrong. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. Now, I want to make it clear. The Bible is very clear that the, the Holy Spirit never condemns us, right? So he never comes and beats you up for, for your mistakes, for your past, for your sins. He never says you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You're always going to be failed. That's the enemy. The enemy comes to condemn. But the Holy Spirit does convict where he says, this is not right. You should not be doing this. This is not a good decision. You should not go to that girl's house. You should not take this promotion, right? Where the Holy Spirit begins to convict us and lead us in our lives. But it's kind of like, just as we are God's kids, it's kind of like our kids, right? I tell my kids all the time, don't do that. It's going to hurt you. Stop doing that. Don't do that. Oh, you fell and got hurt. Dad told you not to do that because you were going to fall and get hurt, right? I don't condemn them for their mistake, but I say, kind of, I told you so, right? The Holy Spirit kind of does the same thing. He tells us what's wrong. Don't do that. You could get hurt. Don't have that. This is what's going to happen, right? And so we have the same choice that our kids have. They can either listen or they don't. And we hope that they'll listen. But if your kids are like mine, a lot of times they don't, right? And we do the same with God. The Holy Spirit kind of does something. We feel him tugging in our heart. We shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do this. And then we do what we do. And then the Bible says, you reap what you sow. So the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of what is wrong, but also of what is right. That this is the way that we should go. This is what you should be doing. If you kind of picture the old school like movies, you know, where they would have like a devil on one shoulder and an angel on the other. Do you guys remember those movies and how kind of silly it was where the angel's like, you should do this, be kind, and, you know, you know, humble yourself. And the devil's going, no, you shouldn't. You know, he has like a little pitchfork and the horns. He's like, do what you want to do. It's, you know, and that's kind of though what it is, right? Like, like we're all always going to have this fleshly desire to do what we want to do and the holy spirit is always going to be contrary to our flesh and to our sin he's going to be saying no this is the way you should go and so he convicts us second thing jesus says is that the holy spirit counsels us he counsels us john 16 13 but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth that he essentially kind of takes us by the hand and he begins to lead us into his perfect will for our lives. And that's where we want to be. We want to be in God's perfect will for our life. We want the Holy Spirit leading us into all truth. But if we neglect the Holy Spirit, if we resist him in our life, that that we won't accomplish all that God has for us. And so we have to understand that he wants to counsel us. In Isaiah 30, 21, it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That the Holy Spirit can give us that kind of guidance and counsel 
in our life. It's a still small voice that, that speaks to us. Again, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't go where he's not wanted. He doesn't go where he's not invited. That's why it's so important throughout the series that we open ourselves up to say, God, I invite you to do what you want to do. Because then we're giving him access to, to begin to provide these things for our life, to convict us, to counsel us, to lead us into that. And a lot of times people always will ask me, like I have a big decision coming up and I don't know what to do. I don't know if it's God or if it's not. You know, how should I handle this? And a lot of times I say, look, if this decision is all about you and it's just going to bring benefit to you and nobody else, my guess would be that that's not the Holy Spirit. That he isn't just going to provide everything for you. That oftentimes he, he wants to lead us and guide us into his truth and his purposes, which is to love others and to, to spread the message of hope throughout the world. And so we need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. Here's an example for you. Just last Saturday night, we went out to eat at a small restaurant over by our house called Water's Edge. It's just a little place right across uh, Allen Creek off of Cheshire and... Uh, we love it. It's a great place. They're never, that, never super busy, so go support local businesses over there if you want some good pizza and stuff. It's good stuff. So we were there eating, and it was dead. It was Saturday, 6 o'clock, and we were like one of two people in the restaurant. There's all these waitresses and waiters around, so this guy comes to our table, and uh, immediately he gets our order, and he walks away, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you, whatever, your, whatever your, the total of your meal is, I want you to tip him that amount. And I was like, all right, kids, you guys are sharing a meal, Jess. What would you like to share? Uh, let's just go ahead and, you know, we'll just cut back today, you know. Uh, but I sensed the Holy Spirit saying that to me, and I, we didn't do that. But, but, and so we, we keep going. I didn't say anything to Jess. And uh, this guy was just, I was secretly hoping he would not be a good waiter so that I could justify not wanting to, t- I'm like, Lord, I'm not going to reward bad behavior. You know what I mean? Like, that's not wise, you know what I mean? Who would do that? And so I'm, I'm kind of wrestling with the Holy Spirit, and, but this guy was stellar. He was like one of the best waiters we've ever had. He was like real, like, you know, personal with the kids. He made sure their cuffs were on, lids were on tight, you know, the things that parents appreciate, you know, like, hey, the lids are secure. Hey, make sure you watch that. Was just on it, had a great time. And so then getting closer to the end of the meal, just goes, this guy's been great. We should tip him really well. And I'm like, all right, all right, Lord, I'll do it, right? So we did that. But what happens is, is that's, that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. If it was going to benefit me and been all about me and what I wanted, that's probably not the Holy Spirit. But when it's going to bring benefit to someone else, but then what we do is we like to, again, try to justify what we want to do. We get into this tug of war with the Holy Spirit, and we begin to tell God what we think is best. But here's the thing. I don't know what he did with that tip, okay? That's not for me to decide. I don't know, you know, what his purpose was and, and, and what he was going to do. And listen, that tip wasn't going to change his life. I hopefully made his night and he was happy. Uh, but, but it wasn't going to be a game changer for him. But what we'll do is say, like, someone, you see someone who's begging on the street. And you go, I'm not going to give them money. Who knows what they're going to do with it? They're going to go buy this. They'll go buy this. They should just get a job, you know? We say that kind of stuff, right? But my job is not to get into that side of it. That's the Lord's to deal with. That's his deal. My job is just to obey the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? To be sensitive to it, to not resist, and to follow his leading. And that's what we have to do. And God will give us these small little things to kind of exercise our spiritual muscle. To say, okay, can you be obedient and faithful in the small things? Because when there's a big thing, I hope that you'll listen to me too. And so he counsels us, he convicts us, he counsels us, and then he comforts us. In John 14, 16, it says, And I will pray to the Father, and that he shall give you another comforter, 
and that he may abide with you forever. That the Holy Spirit provides comfort to us when we need it the most. And this past week, uh, it marked the seven-year death of my sister. Um, she passed away seven years ago. And uh, I'll never forget the day that it happened. We, Jess and I were on a cruise every year for our uh, anniversary. We would go on a cruise. And so it was our second year anniversary. Uh, that was the last cruise we've ever been on because we had Riley shortly after that. And so we haven't been on one since. Uh, but we would go on a cruise. And so we were on a cruise all week. Phone was off. No service. Get back. I get a voicemail from my mom. Uh, just kind of explaining what's going on. Uh, if you haven't heard my sister's story before, she battled addiction for some time in, in the later years of her life. And um, she was had got checked into a facility, uh, was going to be getting the help that she needed. And so my mom was telling me that, hey, your sister's going to do this, and then she's going to go to a long-term treatment plan. And it was, it was good news. We were celebrating with that. I mean, that's awesome. We've been praying for this. This is an answer to prayer. She's been struggling for so long. It's just been such a chaotic situation. And, and so there was some resolution that was happening. And so I got on a plane. I turned my phone off and I landed uh, at my connection flight. We were living in Springfield, Missouri at the time. And I got the voicemail that she had passed away. And it was craziness because I was trying to get to my flight. Uh, we literally were late behind, and I'm running to the gate, trying to talk, trying to figure out what to do. Should I stay here? Should I get on another plane? What should we do? And so we get on our connection flight. I have to turn off my phone, and I'm, I'm sitting on a plane just getting this news and not even knowing what's going on. So I have an hour flight back. Uh, just mine's going 1,000 miles an hour. We, we land. We go to my house. We switch out cruise vacation clothes to close, and we immediately begin the 10-hour journey back to Columbus from Springfield. And that five hours, we were trying to get halfway that night. It was late. It was like one in the morning. We get to the hotel, and I've just been trying to wrap my mind around what's happening, what's going to happen when I get home, what's this going to be like, you know, what, what's going to be going on? And I can remember laying in bed, my mind's going in all the places that yours would go. What if? What if we had done this? What should we have done this? All these things are going through my mind. And I'm just going, God, I need to sleep. I need your peace. And I'm praying and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to come. And I've never had an experience like this again. It wasn't an audible, loud voice. But I heard this, God whisper this to me. The Holy Spirit, he said, Kyle, your sister for a long time had dug a very deep hole with her addiction and he said for the first time in her life, he said she legitimately, she was at rock bottom. She looked up to me and she reached out to me. This is what God's saying to me. He goes, he goes and she was ready to climb out of that hole. He goes, but she couldn't, so I went and got her. And that's all God said to me. And from that moment on, I had extreme peace. I can't explain it. It was the peace of God, which transcends our understanding. The Holy Spirit comforted me. I fell asleep right after he said that. I woke up and from that moment on, I shared at her funeral. I've talked about her death many times. God's done a great work through that tragedy in my life and through my family's life. But I'm telling you, there's going to be days in your life where you face those darkest moments of your life. And your mind's going to be reeling. Your heart's going to be, your emotion's going to be everywhere where you are going to need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit like you never have before. And that's what he provides. That's what he offers. So if we know that that's what God offers, that he can bring that into our life, why would we ever neglect that? Why would we ever push him aside just because we don't understand, just because we, 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 we had a weird experience, whatever the case may be, that he provides that type of comfort for you and me. And throughout life, you're going to face those moments 
And I've faced many other ones where I need to know that the Holy Spirit is with me, that we need to have his presence in our life. And that's what he does. He not only convicts us, he not only counsels us, but in that moment he counseled me, he gave me guidance, he gave me clarity, and he gave me peace. And we need that. And lastly, the Spirit empowers us. Jesus says that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, throughout Judea, throughout Samaria, to the ends of the earth, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to be a witness. So when we look at the whole the wholeness of who he is and what he provides, right? He convicts you, so hopefully you're going to heed his instruction and be walking in the will of God. He counsels and guides us to his truth and his perfect will for our life. And in the middle of his will doesn't mean that life's going to be easy, but he provides comfort for us when we need it, peace for us when we need it. And then he empowers us to be who he's called us to be, to be his witnesses. And Jesus told his disciples who were with him in the flesh, who did many of the same things that he did. He said, you don't go anywhere without my power. Because if you do, you will be powerless. And Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are connected to me through the Holy Spirit, you can do anything. But if you're disconnected from me, you can do nothing. So we need his power to be all that he's called us to be. And, and we, we hear about the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but I need more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, right? All of those things. I need that. I need it with my wife. I need it with my kids. I need it with our staff. I need it with all of you. Amen. I need the fruit of the Spirit. And he provides that for me. And then it goes on into the gifts of the Spirit. That the gifts of the Spirit, that he can give you a word of knowledge for someone. That you can prophesy and speak on behalf of God to somebody in their life. Give them a word when they need it. That he can give you the gift of healing. That you could lay your hands on someone. And not because of you, but through the Holy Spirit. That someone could be healed. And it still happens. And God still does it. And that's where he promised us that you can do even greater things than me. That the same Spirit that raised me from the dead, he was already there. That he is now in you. And he said, and it's better that I go so that he can come. Because when he comes, it'll be for everyone, everywhere, and you will do even greater things than me. But we're not seeing the greater things happening through our lives, and I believe it's because we have forgotten the most important part of the Trinity for our daily living, and it's the Holy Spirit and what he offers us. And we can choose to either resist him or we can choose to surrender to him and to open our lives to him and say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender to your will and what you want for me. And God, I pray every day that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide me in our life. And knowing what he offers, knowing what his purpose is, why would we ever resist that? Why would we ever push him aside? Because I believe that that's what he wants to do. I, want, I believe he wants to see his children, God wants to see his children empowered making a difference, seeing their lives, being spirit-filled, spirit-led, making a difference for his kingdom. And we have the potential. The potential is limitless if we're willing to tap into it. So the band's going to come, and we're going to close out. And I want to share with you this final scripture. Uh, In Luke 11, Jesus, again, is teaching, and, and he says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? To those who ask. 
That is my prayer for you, for this series, is that you would say, God, I'm asking you, regardless of my past experience, regardless of my education, what I've been taught, my understanding, God, I want more of your Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you to send me your Holy Spirit. Would you be willing to do that throughout this series? Would you be willing just to open your heart to say, God, regardless of all of this stuff, God, I just want more of you. I want more of your spirit, and I give you access. I invite you, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, to lead me, to guide me, to do all the things that you can do. So if you would, stand with me, and we're gonna go into a time of worship together. And as we do, I would just like us to say this prayer together, not repeat after me, but I'm gonna start, and then we're gonna pray this prayer together that's gonna come up on the screen. And if you mean this in your heart, and you mean this for the rest of this series, for the next few weeks, just to say, God, we don't want to forget you. We don't want to forget the most important person of the Trinity in our life, in our daily walk with you. And God, we want to see you move in our lives. So if you would, would you pray this prayer with me all together? Let's start here. Holy Spirit, I invite you to lead and transform me in every area of my life. May I respond to your conviction and your counsel and your comfort. I ask you to lead me to truth and empower me to share the love of Christ to all. Father, that is our prayer. God, that we would just be open to you, to your Holy Spirit. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. God, daily we need it. And God, we want to see the fruit of your Spirit and the gifts of your Spirit working and operating through your children. You are gone but you've sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, to lead us and to empower us to be your representative here in this world. So God, we open our hearts to receive whatever you would have for us, and we invite you to come and to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer partners are gonna go to the back. If you need prayer for anything, please step back. Otherwise, let's open our hearts to worship the Lord and to respond to his leading today.